Welcome back, everybody. Uh, it's me, Derek, and I'm here with Mike, and we have a special guest today. So, um, Jess, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me, by the way. But my name is Jesslyn Randall. I go by Jess, and I am, I've been carnivore for over three years now. I'm a military wife. We are currently living in Okinawa, Japan, and I'm also currently finishing my degree in journalism and mass communication. I have a little less than a year left with that. So my days are just filled with triggering vegans and doing homework and walking my dog. <laughs> Sounds like the best kind of day in my opinion. <laughs> Congrats and I get to on live a... on an island. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty rad. How long have you been there? A little over a year now. We I came here last December. Oh, wow, that's awesome. This might be a dumb question, but I'm not familiar with Japan. Like what's a seasonal, like what is it like over there right now? Are you coming out of winter, just entering winter? Yeah, it is the same seasons as the United States here. Uh, So we just finished winter, but in Okinawa, it doesn't really get extremely, extremely cold, but it rains all the time here. Mm. I'm pretty sure it rains 365 days a year. (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> you could even have like a sunny day or a sunny morning. And then by the afternoon, it's raining. Or in the morning, if it's raining, the afternoon will be warm and sunny. So it it's just constantly just raining all the time here. <laughs> I don't know if I could deal with that. I know Derek's going to deal with that. <laughs> oh my gosh, we've had so much rain and snow this winter. I'm super over it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thankfully, um, snow here. No snow here. Yeah, snow's the worst. We, um, yesterday was the first day of spring for us and we had basically a blizzard. It's ridiculous up here right now. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Also really uh, congrats on your schooling. That's cool too. Less than a year to go. I'm sure that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm over it. I'm so (laughs) over it because you know, like back in high school when you hit senior year and you just start slacking because you're like, does it really matter? I'm already accepted this university. Like, do I really have to do this? I'm in that boat right now where I, whatever it's called, I forget what it's called, but I'm, I've senioritis. That would, that's what it was called. Um, to where I'm like, oh, do I have to do these classes? Can (laughs) you just give me my degree? (laughs) I'm over it. I'm sure. uh... Oh, go ahead, Derek. I was, say, I was a journalism major as well. And my my senior year in college, I just I barely went to class and just did the bare minimum to get through. Cause I'm like, this is I'm just so over this, kind of like you are right now. I was like, I'm just gonna go shoot photos and talk to people and like actually do journalism versus sitting in the class all day. Yeah. And it seems just so repetitive. Like the same yeah. thing. I'm not learning anything new at this point. It's like it's all the filler classes your senior year where it, you, you just have to like reinforce what they already taught you. And it's just like oh I I don't like it at all (laughs) I mean unless you have a scholarship I'm sure it helps that you're paying for your own schooling right now versus your parents tax dollars when you're in elementary or high school (laughs) yeah well because I mean I'm I'm 31 I'll be 32 in August so I'm old going to college um but when I first went to college after high school I my parents were paying for it and I got so overwhelmed because I was on scholarship and I was a theater major and doing choir and had scholarships for that and scholarships for my GPA. And I was doing 18 units both semesters and I got completely burnt out. I was so overwhelmed and I dropped out 
the day before my sophomore year was supposed to start because I had like a panic attack because I didn't want to like redo what I had previously done in my freshman year. And then I always like regretted that. And then my husband started following his dreams and his career and was getting really busy. And I was just a little stay-at-home housewife. And I was like, I want to follow my dreams too. And I, <laughs> and I went back to school and now I'm like, why did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I've, uh, It'll be worth we, it though, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Derek's been talking a lot recently about going back to school to get our nutrition degree, just because like we talk about nutrition a lot and we always get asked like what our qualifications are, which I mean, aside from experience in our own studying, like we don't have qualifications. So, I mean, it sounds silly to like spend a lot of money just to get that qualification. So people will take us more seriously, but basically yeah. hearing you talk about that is making me think, okay, maybe I don't necessarily care for that qualification. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, cause it's so annoying because people will be like, oh, college doesn't really matter anymore. But then when it comes down to brass tacks, it's like they want that, they want that paper. So or they won't trust you. And it's like, does yeah. college still matter to you? Yeah, obviously it does. So it that's that's kind of because people definitely take you more seriously still if you have a college degree, no matter what you're talking about. If you're like, well, I I have a BA, like people will be like, oh, okay. And it's like, but you have no idea what I went through to get that. I literally learned nothing, but just because I have that, you think it's important. <laughs> yeah, I think we can all agree on that statement you just made. <laughs> uh, well, switching, oh, sorry, Derek. Yeah, I was gonna say like switching gears, like you're saying, um, should we just jump into everything? Well, yeah, so she said that, you said that you've been carnivore for three years. So I'm just curious to know what led you to carnivore. I so previously I did it initially for weight loss because I was going to the I was eating healthy going to the gym so six days a week probably doing cardio lifting weights and I could not lose weight no matter what I did I just was constantly just about 20 pounds heavier than I am now and unless I actually starved myself if I I would take if I ever needed to get skinnier I would just take like a month or two and just starve myself to get skinnier. And then obviously that's not sustainable. So then I would gain the weight back. And that's basically what I did my whole life. Uh, growing up, I had TMI, but I had severe constipation. So for almost 19 years of my life, I never had a normal bowel movement. I was just always constipated and it was awful and horrible. I was going to the bathroom maybe once every three weeks. It was like weeks in between me going to the bathroom. And I thought that was normal because growing up in the nineties, you don't really talk about poo and you don't talk about things that people talk about now on the internet. You know, the internet wasn't really a thing um, like it is now. But uh, so I thought that was normal. I thought everyone was dealing with it. So I didn't really tell anyone. And that was just my life. And because of that, I had a horrible immune system because my gut was horrible. Um, I had acne because my body was just trying to like push the, the bacteria and stuff out any way it could. Um, and then when I was 19, I went gluten-free and that helped a lot, but I still had acne. I still was just overweight. I still had some gut issues and it really it, it took a toll on me mentally because uh, I was in my mid-20s and still had acne. I didn't know what to do. And um, my husband is much smarter than me. And 
I pretty much just thought that was the way that the, the, the hand that I was dealt in life. And he actually just started researching <laughs> and looking for answers. And he found the Joe Rogan, Sean Baker podcast and showed it to me and said, Hey, this sounds like it could apply to you. I just want you to listen to it and keep an open mind. And I listened to it and Sean Baker made a lot of sense. So I decided to try it January 2020 for World Carnivore Month and kind of never looked back after that. I lost 20 pounds in one month and my skin started to clear up. My gut was better than it had ever been in my life almost since I was a baby probably. Um, And uh, my uh, mental health started like improving drastically also. And I just knew it was working for me and I didn't want to change anything. That's so cool. Yeah, that's it super like you were cool. going to say something, Derek. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people like like thankful to like Joe Rogan for like having just like random variety of people on his show. It's really cool. But like when you first started doing like carnivore diet, did it sound like super crazy to you? Because I know when I talk to people about it, they're like, well, "Why would you do that? Like you're going to get heart disease. You're going to die." So like, did you have hesitations even though you were kind of like looking for an answer? Were you still hesitant to to kind of jump on board with that for the month? Uh, I was mostly, I wasn't concerned about dying. That was never a concern of mine from eating red meat. I was just mostly concerned because I wasn't used to eating it. So I thought it would be difficult because I grew up in a house, my dad had gout. So he was told that he couldn't eat red meat. So we would eat white meat, fish and chicken um, growing up. And basically, if I ever had red meat, it was once a year at 4th of July, if we made uh, hamburgers. So um, I was mostly nervous about being able to eat red meat. And it was hard for me in the beginning, because I just looking at a ribeye, the fat on the ribeye would gross me out so much. So I had to get used to to that. But um, I was so desperate to to try anything. I I felt like I had tried so many things and nothing worked. I was doing everything that you you were supposed to. I was eating oatmeal in the mornings. I wasn't even eating brown sugar oatmeal or anything like that. I was eating unsweetened, gross oatmeal. And I convinced myself that I liked it and um, eating uh, like tons of fruits and vegetables and stuff like that. And it wasn't working. So I was like, if something, it it was always my mindset that if something isn't working, like change it and see if something else can work. So I was always just like kind of trying new things anyway. So when he did present it to me, it did go against everything that I'd ever learned about like vegetables and and health. But I I thought 30 days might as well give it a shot. And I did. And I loved it. So were you eating a lot of processed snacks too? Or was it like legit like oatmeal, fruits, vegetables, like a a really good balanced, healthy diet? I was eating like the healthy processed stuff or the like like Nature Valley. Yeah, like the not Nature Valley, because I think that has gluten in it. But um the the like greenwash stuff, like kind bars. Like if I had a if I wanted a something, I'd have a kind bar because that that's good for you. Like the first ingredient is molasses. Like, well, how could it be bad for you? (laughs) Um, but so I would yeah, I'd have like salads, I wouldn't really use the gross dressings, um, because I didn't really like those anyway. Like I was a very picky eater anyway. So I wasn't eating like a ton of 
like really bad processed foods and the processed foods I did eat were kind of more on the health side because I would have to get like gluten-free things and usually if it was gluten-free it would also be like vegan and organic and all that other stuff because they were trying to hit that target market um so I I would eat um the bad things I would have though were alcohol and uh I ate a lot of ice cream but it was still like the healthy ice cream like halo top um <laughs> so but I I drank a lot of alcohol to the point where people thought I was an alcoholic um I was drinking at least a bottle of wine on my own every single night um so I would drink a lot of alcohol and would eat ice cream and then eat gluten-free stuff and and lots of fruits and vegetables. <laughs> I'm sure that first week going carnivore was kind of a wake-up call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't really remember the first week vividly. Uh, I just remember that it, I liked it a lot that I like at the end of it I liked it a lot and I was I never I because I always did like weird things growing up um that I like I read one time in a magazine that you if you want to clear your skin you can do an apple fast a three-day apple fast where you're not you don't eat anything but apples for three days so periodically through through high school I would if I felt like my skin was getting too bad I would just eat apples for three days and and do that probably every couple months. Um, so I was always doing some sort of weird thing. So so I could always stick. If I gave myself, I'm going to do this for 30 days. I could do it. Um, so so that that part was pretty easy for me to like stick to something. Um, like I did NPC competitions when I was younger too, and we had to go on a diet obviously. And I was only able to eat one tilapia and seven pieces of asparagus every no t three times a day I forget what it was but it was something really ridiculous and low calorie and low fat um and I did that for two months and and did the NPC competitions and it was like the most unhealthy thing ever so yeah I I was always like kind of used to doing things like that so so that part was kind of easy what's NPC Jess Oh, national physique competition. The like bikini competitions where you get like jacked okay. and like are tan and then flex and stuff on stage. <laughs> okay. I did yeah, I had no idea what that was. Yeah, I did two of those when I was 19. I was um, going to a Muay Thai gym and there was a lady working there who was a coach for NPC and she would always approach me when I would walk in and ask me to compete and I was so insecure but I it was just after I went gluten-free so I had lost a lot of weight and I was starting to feel more confident and I thought to myself hey might as well I'm young uh just just go for it and I did too and it I, I looked absolutely malnourished and after the second one my parents were like hey you need to stop this it's so unhealthy um so so I stopped after that <laughs> yeah, yeah see, Joe oh, go ahead okay oh, go ahead Mike I was just gonna say Joe Rogan I think he was talking to the more plates more dates guy about the whole liver king debunkle like a, a few months ago but <clears throat> I think it was Joe Rogan that made the comment like it's just so kind of backwards that these physique shows are like painted as like the ideal health but yet they're literally <laughs> starving themselves. They're on the brink of dying kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. No, 
I took water pills. Um, I think that's common too. Before the competition, you take water pills to just dry everything out. So you, you're even tighter and look more muscular. Uh, and I think I ate like a banana that whole day. And then wow. after, after the competition, it's kind of, um, no, I mean, I only did two, so I wasn't fully immersed in this culture, but, um, as far as I know, it's kind of normal to go to a restaurant and just binge after the competition and binge on everything that you couldn't eat and just enjoy yourself. And so that was what we did, um, after both of them. And it just is not, not a healthy thing at all. <laughs> I think there are ways. I think there are ways to do it healthy, but I think for the the standard is not healthy. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of when I was in high school. Like, I had a lot of friends that did wrestling. And so to meet their weight class, they would just like, they would just not eat anything for a couple of days or whatever and just drink water and whatever, basically just as long extended fast and drop all this weight. And then after they weighed in, they would just go and like binge like crazy. I'm like, even in high school, I was like, this can't be good for you to be fluctuating yeah. weight like that and not eating properly. Yeah, they still do that in the UFC too. That's how UFC fighters make weight. And then they'll just like binge and then you you watch them at their weigh-in and they look like super like skinny and all that. And then like at the fight, you're like, whoa, he gained like 10 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I had a quick question going back to the, um, like the acne and stuff that you're talking about. Yeah. If you said this already, I apologize. Did you Did you talk about when you started noticing that clearing up when she started going carnivore was it pretty immediate well um kind of but skin is takes so long to heal so uh, like new breakouts and stuff were were not really coming um but the the scars and stuff that were still there like I still have some acne scars and I'll still get like some breakouts every now and then um especially like on my like under my chin and on my neck so it's probably hormonal but um the yeah skin takes so long to heal so uh it it helped and I noticed it I don't remember exactly when I started noticing it but I know that that one took the longest time to heal yeah it's I mean, I didn't have, I don't know what the actual definition of acne is like, cause I know I had zits and pimples in high school, but I don't think like I officially had acne, but mm-hmm. like, it wasn't uncommon for me to have a zit or two on my face, like every week is a, like through high school. <laughs> and like, that's one of the things I noticed eating this way too, is like hardly ever getting any kind of zit or pimple on my face. And like, it's so rare that when it occasionally does happen now, at least for me, like, I think last week I had one just like right here below my lip. And like, when I saw that, I was just like, holy cow, what have I been like, what, what happened? What made this thing come out? Like, it's yeah. just like so rare, but when it happens, it's just like, it just catches you off guard because you hardly have to deal with that anymore. Yeah. It's probably the dairy. <laughs> the dairy. <laughs> the mangoes, I don't know. Yeah. Speaking of that, Justin, let's, um, let's backtrack a little bit. Cause we wanted to speak to you about the lion dikes. It's essentially what you're doing, right? Yeah, for the most part, I did it really strict in January for the month of January. And then now I've been adding in little things. I'm still mostly just eating beef. But every now and then, if my husband go out to to eat, I'll have seafood and pork. Um, But when I'm at home, I'm still just eating beef. So I think probably like 90% of my diet is still beef. And then I have added in some dairy too. Okay. So could you kind of like summarize what the lion diet is for people that don't know? Because I think some people do from Michaela Peterson. But um, like, yeah, you want to just kind of describe it and sum it up? 
Yeah, the lion diet is an elimination diet where you eat ruminant meat only, salt, and water. And a lot of people with really extreme autoimmune issues like Michaela had uh, have to stay on it for an extended period of time to find healing because they just are so sensitive to other foods, which is why it's called an elimination diet because you're eliminating those things out of your diet. Um, so it, it's a great tool to use for anyone, in my my opinion, um, just even for 30 days, just to see how you react to certain foods, just cut everything out and just eat ruminant meat, salt, and water. And then when you do start to add those things back in, you can clearly tell, oh, this is what coffee does to me. Oh, this is what eggs do to me. Because sometimes people have aversions to things and they don't even know it um, unless they remove it and kind of detox. And then I hate the word detox, obviously, because it's been so, so like <laughs> overused, but like you, you like, clear it out of your system. And then when you add it back in, it's like, you're like, Oh God, okay. That's what it does to me. And you, and it also, the lion diet also just kind of shows you how good you could feel. And then you have to decide for yourself, like, is this worth me eating all these other things to, to feel like crap? Uh, or do I want to just eat this way and feel better? Uh, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. 100%. So, I think that's, I think it's pretty important thing to realize with the lion diet is like for most people, like you're not going to do it for the rest of your life, but it's a tool to get back to like a base level of health. And then if you can start adding things in great, but if not, like now, you know, what's making you sick and you at least know like, Hey, I can be healthy and live like, like a healthy life versus just kind of like always thinking like, Oh, I'm sick because of this or because of that, or maybe I need this supplement. So you just kind of know like what is causing or what's triggering problems for you. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely gives you a lot of clarity. And then, and you can always fall back on that. Like you said, if you, if you do want to add more things in, then you can always know that you, you have something to go back to, to, to help you feel better again. So I'm just curious to know when you did that, did you notice like, were there certain carnivore foods or even like keto-ish type foods that you notice your body doesn't respond to well, that you ended up eliminating from doing the lion diet? Did that question so make sense? I yeah, I uh, haven't really incorporated bacon back into my diet. I I don't think I I don't know. I'm I'm I don't really want to though. <laughs> so um, maybe let's see. Because I did notice a difference when I did lion. I I noticed a difference. I was sleeping better. My body composition was getting better. My skin was getting clearer. So I think. Probably dairy would be the biggest culprit, um, but dairy is just so good. It's like one of the only things on carnivore that can like be slightly addictive. Um, it, so I, <laughs> it's one of those things that I've decided like it's kind of worth like maybe getting a breakout every now and then so I can have some dairy. <laughs> um, so probably, yeah, like other than that, like seafood hasn't really affected me that much. I don't eat it a lot though. Um, eggs don't really affect me, but I have those maybe once every couple of weeks now. Um, pork, I don't eat really bacon anymore, but I'll have pork belly when we go out, like fatty pork. It's so good. Um, but yeah, other than that, no, I don't think anything is affecting me negatively, which is good, which is nice. But uh 
if, if people do have that, where they incorporate these foods and they, they see negative side effects, it, then it might be, um, oh my gosh, what's it called? I forgot what it's called. The, uh, uh, whatever, whatever's in aged meat that people get negative reactions to like Michaela Peterson can't eat aged meat. Like the histamines Uh, in it. Histamines. Yeah. So like if people do get reactions, then they might be have like histamine sensitivities to be careful for. Um, so, but, but thankfully, no, I haven't had anything other than dairy. (laughs) Do you have access to raw dairy where you're at? No, unfortunately, Uh. I'm pretty sure it's illegal here. And I, I've never, I've never seen anything that would even remotely look like raw dairy. All the packaging is in Japanese, obviously, and the the American store definitely doesn't have it here. Uh, and even the heavy cream that you get at the Japanese store here, it has soy in it. So <laughs> definitely don't. I think they're not even close to raw dairy here. <laughs> well, if you think that dairy is like the only thing that's addicting on a carnivore diet, like wait until you try raw dairy because that takes it to a whole other level. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Cause, cause that has like sugar and stuff in it too. Like obviously like dairy is going to have some, some milk or whatever is going to have some sugar, but da- the raw dairy, cause when I was in I've never tried it before. And before I moved here, I was actually living in California with my parents. And I went to the store to try and find raw dairy and I didn't buy it because it had sugar in it. And I was like, well, I won't be a carnivore if I eat sugar and I didn't try it. And now I'm like kicking myself because like, I want to try raw dairy so bad. And I had it in my hands and I was like, I can't drink this because it has sugar. (laughs) It's like, just, just to give you a quick insight into how addicting it is. And then I'll let you you continue <laughs> but like uh we used to only have maybe two gallons of milk in our house a week of just like pasteurized dairy and it was mostly for my kids and my wife like I hate I grew up on a dairy farm I grew up on raw dairy and we sold the cows I tried pasteurized dairy I ended up hating it so I quit drinking milk for like 10 years <laughs> and then I learned of this like local dairy farm that's like 20 minutes from my house that like jumped through all the stupid loopholes that the government set up and they can sell raw dairy and like now that I'm able to drink it again, and now even that my kids like are drinking it, we're getting seven gallons a week for wow. for our household of four. Like the kids are addicted to it. My wife's addicted to it. I'm addicted to it. It's just so delicious. So that's my like raw milk plug that I give every week on this show. <laughs> well, I've heard that it's actually really hydrating. I have, I have no idea if that's true, but I've heard that it's actually really hydrating and sometimes like even more beneficial than the water that you could get nowadays because our water is so toxic. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like a liquid multivitamin, I feel like, because it has everything you need in it, plus a little bit of carbs. So you're hydrating, I guess, carbohydrates. <laughs> yeah. Dang it. Now I'm, I really want to try raw dairy. <laughs> Well, if you ever make it back to the States, just let us know and we'll let you know where you can get it. It's few and far between, but you can get it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll do uh, I'm the first thing I look out for. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, do you have any more questions on the lion di- diet, Derek? Not really. Um, but I think like another question that comes up concerning the lion diet, and this is maybe just from, from what I see all the time on like Instagram and YouTube and stuff is that people really get hyper-focused on like their meat quality. And I think meat quality and like the quality of your food is important and like knowing where it's from and all these different things. But at the same time though, I think like a lot of people like myself included can't afford paying $20 a pound for meat when you're eating a ton of meat. Um, So what are your thoughts about like having grass-fed finished beef versus say like, for example, like Walmart quality meat? 
I am totally all for cheap grocery store meat. <laughs> That's primarily what I eat. I I think that if you can afford grass-fed beef, grass-fed grass-finished, and you enjoy eating it, have at it. That is great. Uh, but I don't think you have to eat that way. And I say that because I know tons, probably hundreds of carnivores that eat primarily cheap grocery store beef, myself included. And we've seen great results. It's been over three years now that I've eaten that. I have no complaints. Um, so I just don't think there is any evidence <laughs> showing that you have to only eat grass-fed, grass-finished to be healthy because there there's plenty of people that have shown that that is not the case. Um, and whenever I say that, I always get so much backlash from it because people think I'm attacking them and saying that they're, they um, are mean or something for eating grass-fed, grass-finished. And it's like, no, like you're the mean person telling everyone they have to eat grass-fed, grass-finished. I'm telling people they don't have to because there's so many people, I've gotten so many messages from people saying that um, they want to try carnivore, but they can't afford it. It's because they're going around and people are telling them they have to eat the highest quality, most expensive meat that they can find to find healing. And that's just not true. And so many people have been turned away from this way of eating uh, because they think that's the case. And then what are they eating instead? They're going and eating a ton of processed junk. And you're, you're really going to sit there and tell someone that they're going to, that eating that process, continuing to eat that processed junk is going to be a better option than just going to Walmart and getting some grain finished beef. Um, that makes no sense to me. Uh, so I don't support that at all, but I do support grass fed, grass finished. It, it, again, if you like it and can afford it, have at it. I do think it is clearly better for the environment. Um, if we could get rid of like CAFO, a CAFO and things like that, um, and feedlots, I think that's the same thing, but, um, I, if we can switch to fully regenerative agriculture, that would be amazing, but that's not in the cards right now. Um, so we have to deal with, deal with reality. And in reality, people, for the most part, can only afford grocery store beef. And I think that that is fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the same page as you. And I think it's interesting, too, like at least here in the U.S., most beef is raised on grass, almost like or most cattle, I should say, are raised on grass their entire lives until like the very last like. 10% or something where they're stuck mm -hmm. in a feedlot to fatten them up. So like people make this argument, it's like, oh, well, feedlots are bad. And like, yeah, I agree. But it's not like these cows for the most part, this is a generalization, are just sitting in their poop all day eating grain. It's like most of the time they're just out. Like I live in the West, like, like Mike, and you, cows are outside grazing almost all the time. Then like the very end of their lives, they're stuck in a feedlot to fatten them up. And so like, yeah, it does make a difference. And I think like everyone should buy the best quality meat they can afford. But at the same time, if it's pushing people away from like a healthy diet, it's, it's kind of insane. Cause it's like, you can, like you're saying, you can eat a healthy diet by buying the cheapest eggs, the cheapest beef, butter and milk. Like you can be extremely healthy eating that way. You don't have to spend a hundred dollars on every meal for like a grass fed finished, like Wagyu beef or something. Yeah, exactly. Like I think Dr. Chafee said this, but he said it's a, it's the difference between getting a gold medal and a silver medal at the Olympics. Like, you're still at the Olympic, you know, <laughs> so, so calm down. <laughs> And I, I would say I agree with you too, like on the health side of things, like, I don't think there's any benefits. <clears throat> there might be some benefits, like a little bit, of, a little bit, <laughs> if you do grass-fed, grass-finished, but like, 
Like I, personally, I, I think grass fed grass finished tastes better. Like, and that's just a whole different subject. Like I personally eat grass fed grass finished because it tastes better. Like I'm not thinking more like this is healthier for me. Like that never crosses my mind. But I also do think that like this whole like grass fed grass finished push. So, so me and Derek's, I don't know if you saw it on my story today, Jess, but we are recently a nutritionist made a post that essentially like the way I read it said that if you suggest that you can sustain a diet without processed snacks, that it's elitist was the word that she used. And I think, I think like when I first saw that, like I've been thinking about it all day. Like I wish Derek didn't send me that post. Like it just infuriates me that she would think that it's elitist to like cut out that kind of food, but just hearing you talk and sharing your experience of like people messaging you and saying like, I want to try carnivore, but I can't afford it because I can't afford grass fed grass finished. I do think that that's kind of where like the elitist mentality can stem from just because if you get into the carnivore world, like the, like cultish carnivore world (laughs) like that's where you'll see like the grass-fed grass-finished push like if you have pepper instead of salt you're not a true carnivore and all that kind of stuff so I do think we need to be careful with our with how we word or just how we talk about like our audiences about this type of stuff so it doesn't come across as elitist because I do think it stems from that uh um sacred cow uh what's the author's name of sacred cow uh, is it oh, Rob Wolf? Yeah, Tell and me. the Diana Rogers, Diana Rogers, yeah. Uh, Diana on her, Rogers. her Instagram, she she flat out says like it, telling people they have to remove meat from their diet is elitist, and I <laughs> I think that would be like that that is crazy because like if you if you, people I think people especially in the United States don't really understand what it's like to live outside of the United States like even just moving to Okinawa is so completely different than the United States like people will be like we'll just go get raw milk and it's like how do you propose I do that I live on a tiny island and there's no raw milk anywhere and I'm pretty sure it's illegal here and it's not like the U.S. where like yeah raw milk's illegal (laughs) just go get some it's like no it's illegal here (laughs) um and like or people are big just go buy half a cow it's like again like, I don't think I've ever even seen a cow on this island. Like, how do you want me to go buy half a cow? Um, like, there's goats. Like, I can try to go buy a goat and keep it on my back patio in this tiny, like, apartment. Um, but, like, people, like, in the United States just have, are sometimes so, they don't realize how spoiled they are um, and how much access they have to everything. Like you can just go on Amazon and buy whatever you want and it's on your doorstep the next day. You don't have to wait three months for it to arrive. Like you can just go subscribe to um, your grass fed, grass finished like meat dealer and get all this to your doorstep. And it's like that the world isn't like that. Um, so, so I definitely think that it's dangerous telling people that they can't eat meat like I agree with Diana Rogers in that regard especially because it's so healthy for you and but um yeah I I do I do see the perspective of like telling people that it's elitist if they have to remove uh the processed food um but I I definitely think that you can still do carnivore on a budget and that's the part that um people don't 
people on the outside looking in don't see all the time because the the voices that get amplified are those crazy voices that are like grass-fed grass finish only um you have to eat organ meats every day um and all that stuff they those ones tend to be amplified because in any movement though not that this is kind of a movement but like any any community there's going to be crazies and the crazies always seem to be at the front of the (laughs) the line just like (laughs) shouting their craziness so I, I, I hope people keep that in mind too. Of, of there's not not all the carnivores are dogmatic. You're saying. <laughs> well, do, do you know who Carnivore Cable is? Have you seen that uh, Instagram? Oh, Cabal. Cabal is that what it is? Yeah, Carnivore Cabal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he just posted last week. He got like a ten pound thing of ground beef from Walmart for like twenty or twenty five bucks, I think. And it's like, you know, <clears throat> me, I can eat a pound of meat a pound of beef in one meal, like no problem. (laughs) I know that not everybody can do that, but just say you do eat a pound of meat beef per dinner or whatever, just divide that by like, you know, you got 10 pounds, 10 days worth of beef, divide that by 25 or 30, whatever. That's like two to $3 um, for dinner basically. So it's really not that expensive if you decide to like completely cut out the grass fed grass finished stuff, which is fine, you know, according to all three of us. So (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, there you can just go in the carnivore community and ask people what they primarily eat, and for the most part, it's grocery store meat. I I only know uh, I can count on one hand how many people um, I know that eat only grass fed, grass finished in the carnivore community. And yeah, so eat the eat what you like and can afford. I think that's the best. If you're starting carnivore or lion, eat what you like and can afford. And then in the future, if you want to think more environmentally and things like that, then go for gra- um, grass-fed, grass-finished. But don't worry about it in the beginning. It, there's no need. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think just kind of going back a little bit to the elitist veganism thing, I think veganism is the most elitist diet you can come up with because one, everything you're buying costs more than beef, has lower nutrient density, and then you're supplementing with supplements. I guess that's redundant. But like in order to do it properly, you need supplements. So like on top of buying a massive amount of food and having half of it go to waste in your fridge, you're buying supplements on top of that. Where if you just bought like, like Mike was saying, if you bought 10 pounds of beef for 30 bucks, that's three, $3 a pound. Like the nutritional density in that is way higher than $3 worth of any type of vegetable fruit or whatever you can find. So like, if anything, like carnivore is the diet for everybody, as far as like budget goes. And let's talk about how many times vegans go to the bathroom every day versus cardboard. So toilet paper waste, water waste, vegans are not better in any regard. Yeah, let's, <laughs> no uh, let's talk about Rich Roll here for a minute. <laughs> yeah, we, I, I, I mean, like, let's compare water waste for me and a vegan. Like, I'm not washing vegetables. I'm not um, having to shower like three times a day because I smell so bad because I'm farting all over the place. Like, like I'm not flushing the toilet five times a day. Like, <laughs> this is this is a completely side tangent, but uh, just last week I heard Biden's trying to like implement this whole like new washing machine thing. Have you heard of this, Derek? No, I'm surprised <laughs> I haven't. Honestly, apparently, like our washing machines use too much water. So he's trying to like push these new washing machines that use less water. They're more expensive. They're going to use more energy because you're going to have to use like more time to clean your clothes since it's using less water. But like when I was hearing that, I just like looked at my wife and I was just like, 
if he's concerned about water usage, why doesn't he go after like almond farms? Like <laughs> there's so many other areas that you can go after instead of like freaking washing machines. Like, come on. <laughs> it's, me, it's so funny. That's like, it, it's so sad because you know, like their hearts are in the right place. They go with vegans and stuff. Like they, they don't want to kill animals. It's very like chivalrous and, and like good for you. You want everything to live. Um, so you feel bad, but like the decisions they make and the conclusions they come to are just so wrong. And it's like, I, I understand you're trying to help, but like, it just seems like everything they do just makes things 10 times worse. It's like, cause you can't ignore reality. I think that's what happens because if you, if you completely disregard reality, things are going to get worse. And that just seems like what vegans do. It's like, I don't need protein or protein. Uh, Dr. Siba or whatever his name is, um, where he said protein doesn't exist. Like it's a made up term. Um, you don't what? need it. You just need minerals. <laughs> I, yeah. You've never seen that? That, no. that video? Yeah. It's it, proteins like made up. Um, you don't need the protein. You just need like minerals or something like that. And um, he's like one of the main, like, I think he might be dead now, but he's like one of the main <laughs> people that um, vegans like quote. Um, and when they, when they argue veganism, I, his name's uh, Dr. Sebi. Sebi? Sebi. Sebi. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm looking <laughs> him up right now. That's yeah, so insane because it's like from a scientific standpoint, it's like clearly proteins exist. Like that's not yeah. even debatable. <laughs> no, and and clearly meat is more bioavailable than fruits and vegetables. That's not a debatable thing either. And it and um like fiber isn't essential. Like carbs aren't necessarily essential either. Like carbs aren't essential, but you there are tools that you can things you can use carbs for to like enhance your performance and make you feel better and things like that. But like there's like not debatable things that you say to someone and they just get so triggered um and it blows my mind so i forget that all these myths are still so because when you get immersed in the carnivore community and you start learning and things like that you, you kind of forget that people still believe that red meat rots in your colon or causes kidney damage or causes heart disease and, and the fat is going to clog your arteries and then when someone comes at you and says that you're like oh, wow, you, people still believe that. I totally forgot. Or that cow burps are causing climate change. Like people still believe that. And it just completely blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of these people just kind of lack critical thinking skills. And I mean that in the most polite way. It's like they hear something and it's like you're saying they want to do good and do what's best for the for the planet and for all these people and for animals and stuff. But it's like in the end, it's like you got to critically think about this stuff. Like if you're an athlete or it's anybody in general, you need protein, you need fat. Like your brain has a huge amount of cholesterol and, and fat in it. Like you need those things. Otherwise you're not just going to function properly. And like the other day, a friend of mine was asking, um, she's like used to be heavy vegan, like hundred percent vegan. And now she started to introduce like some bits of animal product because she has failing health, <laughs> which is yeah. understandable. But it's like, uh, she was asking me something and I was like, well, where do you get your creatine from? She's like, oh, I get it from eggs. And I'm like, there, there's like zero creatine in eggs and zero in any plant material. I'm like, you need to be eating red meat. She's like, I'm not going to do that. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like it, it's, it's going to kill you eventually at some point, like you're losing brain function and muscle mass because you're lacking a critical nutrient. And as humans, we need a lot of it. And this is, this is kind of interesting, I guess. So like people will just listen to all these things about veganism and assume that they're true without doing any research about it. Yeah. 
That's that's so interesting you said that because I got I kind of got some backlash the other day when I was talking with my friend on an Instagram live and I said that the logical conclusion of veganism or yeah the logical conclusion of veganism is suicide and they got so upset with me but if you think about it like you're killing yourself you're you're sacrificing yourself to save the environment um and no matter how malnourished and unhealthy like some militant vegans like it when they're asked like if you could eat red meat to save yourself would you and they say no like they want it and it, it like it it's just so sad that like they put the the earth above their life like the value of their life and they put animal life above the value of their life and i and i see how that could be seen as virtuous um but it just it's it's not in in my opinion but i i also come from like a more religious back a religious background where like in from my point of view like the earth was created for humans it, it wasn't like that we just um happened to be here um that it the animals were created for us to consume so so my perspective is a little different on that um but i i just it's just so heartbreaking like watching people like sacrifice their own life like a life they've been given to them um to try to save an environment but in a way that's not even saving the environment because because they i feel like they they clearly don't even realize like how important like livestock is to the environment and regenerative agriculture is you have to have livestock and then if you have that livestock people aren't going to just be keeping these livestock as pets. Like it has to be some sort of like money coming in. So you're going to sell the animals to eat the animals. And we, um, the animals give us everything that we need. So it's, it's like a win-win for everyone. And yeah, something has to die, but in life, everything die. like everything has to die. It's the circle of life, you know, like um, you can't sustain life without taking another life like in every level of humanity you can't sustain life without killing something and consuming it to to propel your life force forward you know what i'm saying and i think that that's like a very hard concept for a lot of vegans to to grasp and it's it's kind of sad and they they just they would sacrifice their own life to uh, it's just sad to me. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, well, like in reality, like the, the science saying that like veganism will save the planet is very flimsy at best. And if anything, I think like a vegan diet is very detrimental to the environment. Cause you look at the Midwest and the plains, like you're monocropping millions of acres for soy, corn, and wheat. It's like, there's literally one living thing in those millions of acres. And it's that, that item, whether it's soy, corn, or wheat. So like, there's no wildlife there are no like bugs, anything, because everything is just so heavily, like, what's the word, pest, covered in pesticides. And so yeah. you really are destroying the environment, essentially, because if, like you're saying, if, you, if you're using regenerative agriculture, you're creating life. Yeah, you're taking it, but you're creating it. And that's really like, like what you're saying is like, for things to live, things have to die. Like, that's just how, how things work, like, whether they're plants or animals, things will die. Yeah. So you, you die, like, if you don't want to kill anything else, you're going to be the one that dies. Um, and, but like we, we like, or in my perspective, like I will take the life of an animal so I can live, 
Cause I like, I value, I put human life above animal life. I do not think human life and animal life are the same. Um, I, and I, I think it's kind of sad that like the whole mindset too around animals is like, they're, they're equal to us or there are kids. Like I can, I get that to a certain point, but I think it's being taken way too far to where it, it's, you're looking at animals as, as these, these beings that are, um, on the same level as us when, when they aren't. Um, and I, I will never change my views on that. Like I a hundred percent think that human life is more inherently valuable than animal life. And that also like, cause I was never vegan. Cause I never, I never un- understood the humans deserve or animals deserve to live just as much as humans. Like in my head, I always knew animal life is not as important as, as, uh, human life. Um, so, so that helped a lot with me never going vegan. Um, but it's, I, I just think it's kind of being like, you see all these videos on Instagram too, like I'll scroll through and I just see all these videos of like people playing with cows and people playing with pigs, like, Oh, pigs are so smart. Pigs are these great companion animals. And it's like, they're trying to like humanify, hue there's a word that means like, if you put a human characteristics on something that's not human, I I don't, I can't recall it right now, but we're trying to like Disney-fy, I guess I could say, um, animals. And it's just sad. Like we need to get back to the mindset of like, this is our food. Like these are our pets. This is our food. Like this isn't, these aren't like humans. (laughs) Well, and just speaking from like a farming perspective, I grew up on a third generation dairy farm. Um, and like, I get that there's these outlier farms out there where you're going to see like the videos on Instagram that like PETA puts out there of them, like beating the cows and stuff like that. Like that exists. I'm not going to deny that that exists, <laughs> but like yeah. from my experience, like, I think it was Derek that said earlier, like, you know, most cattle here in the States are raised grass fed and then they're put in a grain lot at the end of their lives to fatten them up. And I just want to like clarify at the end of their lives. So it's like, it's not like. And again, this is from a farming perspective. I grew up on a farm. It's not like we get a phone call and it's like, hey, Joe down the street needs some cattle. Go find the prettiest looking cow out there and shoot it with a gun. Like, like we're like the the whole process is just like, it's at the end of their lives. They're going to die anyway. And so now they're going to turn into our food and we're going to eat it and we're going to have a nutrient dense diet. And so I just do want to clarify that it's like, it's not what a lot of people out there are painting it to be like. Like the cows are treated well, like in most cases, they're, they're raised like for their entire span of their life. And then they're turned into food and like, it's just, it's just the process. That's how it works. So, um, do you know who Temple Grandin is? Temple? Yeah. Have you ever heard of Temple Grandin there? No. She has, uh, she has a series on YouTube called the glass walls project, uh, to where, she goes into like slaughterhouses um, in the United States and shows you the whole entire process because people will be like they they're tortured and their necks are slit and um it, it make it into this really good like, gross graphic thing uh and I mean it, it's like you're killing an animal so it's not like sunshine and rainbows but um she goes through the whole thing and shows how it's done and it's very professional and um she they're held to a very high standard a lot of the times from my understanding of those those like videos too that that show like the really bad um environments 
are not even in the United States. Um, I, from what I know, I, I'm not like super well versed in this, this, but, um, the United States has pretty high standards for how we like slaughter animals and stuff like that. Um, but those videos are very, very interesting. And it's, I, I, I enjoy watching them just to, like learn how it's done. I would love to go to a slaughterhouse uh, that I follow this, um, butcher on Instagram and he posts like how he, he works with like small farms and stuff and they do, <laughs> they do go out and they, um, he'll just shoot the cow in the head and then slaughter it right there. Um, and a lot of like bison farms and stuff do that too. Um, That's what we so, did too. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's so interesting to me. And I think, I think that that is an aspect of this diet too, that people need to be okay with um, and be uh, open to watching um, because that you need to know where your food comes from and how it comes from. And if you, if you eat meat and you're uncomfortable with watching an animal die, like, I think that's something that you need to like reconcile within yourself because like the animal did die for you to live. So you need to respect that animal. I think it is so disrespectful to pretend like it's not happening. Um, or to say like, I don't want to watch this. I can't watch this. It's like that animal is dying for you. And you're pretending like nothing happened. I do. I do think that the, a lot of people in the carnivore community, um, I, I, I have, a, I do have an issue with that. That I think that we need to be a little more. Um, I, I, I think it's kind of hypocritical to to eat meat and but not want to see an animal die. Um, in my opinion, <laughs> I think that's one of the the pros of hunting or being a hunter in general. Is you go out there and like people will spend like a week or whatever going like tracking down an elk and you really, you really learn to appreciate what goes into the animal's life. And it's like, I think a lot of people like not necessarily vegans, but just people in general assume that like anyone that goes out and hunts is just like, I'm out here with my machine gun, just mowing down animals and blah, blah, blah. And just like, let me get this head and hang it on my wall. It's like, no, it's not like that at all. Like everyone that goes out, they go out there and they shoot the animal, but they respect it. And it's because they've spent so much time watching the animal in their native environment and then you go out there and kill it. And it's like, you're very grateful because one, it took you like a week to get that animal. But then two, you just realize like how important these animals are for the environment in general. So like, I guess all I'm saying is I agree with you. And like, it's, it's very important to respect and know like where our, our food comes from. Yeah. And it's, is it like ideal? No, like I wish we could all just walk around and pick berries and, and thrive too, but that's, that's not reality. And if you, if you provide an alternative that gives us everything that we need in the most bioavailable form that is good for the environment and cost effective like yeah let's switch to that that doesn't kill any animals either yeah sure that would be great but that's not reality that's never going to happen um then the reality is animals provide us with bioavailable like protein and like every like essential thing that our body needs to survive and it just so happens to be that way so it's just denying reality and again if you deny reality bad things are going to happen <laughs> and i mean that's why these conversations are important to help people see that like because <clears throat> there's so much out there and like it's easy to think that you know you can sustain it it's easy to think you can sustain a diet without animal protein just because of all the information that's out there. And then all like the, the influencers out there who are saying that you shouldn't do it and it's possible to do it without animal protein. Um, I mean, nutrition is just so polarizing. It's crazy. Like <laughs> it's, yeah. I love yeah. talking about it, but I also hate it just because of all the contention that it sometimes causes. It's nuts. 
because it can it can confuse people I think that's where you have to just like experiment and try for yourself and then see like if you if you're hearing two different things listen to those two different points of view use your best critical thinking skills um research it a little and then try if you want to try veganism try it and see how you feel then try carnivore and see how you feel and then come to your own conclusions because like there it's always going to be one side and the other it's that's how it's been since like the dawn of time is like like polarization is like the definition of human humans so uh, so you just gotta like find where you fit in that and i found that i love carnivore (laughs) yeah your body's not gonna lie to you like we're all different they're all individualized like you know you're saying that dairy sometimes give you issues like i have no issues with raw dairy uh, pasteurized dairy. I do. <laughs> I'm just trying to say though, that like, you know, one thing that like all three of us do an animal-based diet, um, it's a certain like differences too, I would say. And I would say that that's just because our body responds differently to like all these things. Like I can handle raw dairy. I can handle moderate fruits and, you know, some people can't do that, which is totally fine. So I, yeah, disagreeing with you that people need to experiment, you know, listen to vegan doctors, listen to animal-based doctors and then just try it and see what works for you and if you're feeling like crap then that's probably not the best diet for you honestly yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) so we probably have a lot we have a lot more questions for you but we want to respect your time um is there anything that you wanted to quickly ask Derek before we wrap up um no like I I wish we had more time to talk this has been really interesting yeah yeah (laughs) I mean I'd be down to do it again if you guys would want to have me back (laughs) Oh, we'd Heck love yeah, to have let's you do it. <laughs> okay. Yay. We can talk I'm... off mic and what's that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm down. Okay. We'll shoot you a message after here, but uh, thank you for joining us. For those who don't know you, what's your Instagram handle? Jessalyn.Randall. Uh, so it's just J-E-S-S-A-L-Y-N dot R-A-N-D-L-E. Okay, cool. We can put that in the notes, right, Derek? Yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, is there anything you want to end with Jess anything we didn't cover anything you just want to say to inspire the people (laughs) yeah let me um if you if you are interested in trying carnivore um I would suggest like do research and question like like Derek was saying like think critically about it about anything even anything that we've talked about here like question and research and look into it do things for your for yourself (laughs) my dog is dying (laughs) <laughs> can you hear her i couldn't hear it <laughs> she, she's like over here coughing up the storm but um so research and just ask questions and look into it and then maybe just try it for 30 days it won't kill you in for 30 days to to give it a shot perfect i don't have anything to add to that do you derek <laughs> i don't either i just totally agree with that it's like give it a shot and then um experiment for yourself i think it's the best way and then like you were saying question everything because like don't take our word for it like look at the studies and then try it and then if it works for you great and if you think we're a bunch of idiots fine move on like we don't care <laughs> yeah we don't care <laughs> <laughs> cool well thanks jess thanks derek thanks everybody for listening and we will see you next week